Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. He gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... You yell back at your radio. What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now, he gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. Visit them at milwaukeeadmirals.com. Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The Fan. to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. Live from the Lakeland University studios. Offering evening and online master's programs. Learn more at lakeland.edu slash get started. Again, that's lakeland.edu slash get started. Uh, coming up on uh, today's show. We're going to have a guy that used to be here in our building at 1250 back in the day uh, and now created uh, the Baseball Prospect Journal uh, website, baseballprospectjournal.com. It's been going on for, I don't know, several years, I guess. He's always been a draft Nick, um, a guy that does a lot of interviews with college and high school players. It'll be in the draft. Does a great job. Dan Zielinski III uh, will join us coming up uh, in about 15 minutes as we look ahead to the amateur draft coming up tomorrow. And I can't wait to get uh, to talk to him. Because I also like all types of drafts for the most part, right? Uh, and I have my eye on a certain person for the second round for the Brewers. That, that is true. I've done my research. So there's one guy I want in the second round. Uh, and in the first round, I am very intrigued by Kumar Rocker. Uh, because it looks like there is a chance that he may fall uh, to the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. And again, this is a guy that was a first round pick last year. Couldn't come to terms. Couldn't sign. Uh, I believe this was with the Mets. Um, and of course, um, Boris, Scott Boris is his representative. We know Scott Boris has a wonderful, healthy relationship with Mark Antonasio of the Brewers over the course of time. So maybe uh, Antonasio uh, and Boris can uh, cut some type of deal here and get Boris to Milwaukee. So we'll see. We'll talk to him about all that uh, coming up here at about 2.15. Between now and then, a couple of things I want to uh, get to. Uh, number one. I want to get to what we were talking about yesterday um, on the air, which was this whole deal involving DeAndre Ayton um, and what was going on with him. Now, yesterday when we were on the air doing Madness, he uh, had signed an offer sheet with the Indiana Pacers, four years, $133 million maximum offer sheet. And we were sitting here on the air trying to figure out, okay, well, if that's going to be the case and Aiden goes to Indiana, what then do you do with Miles Turner and going forward? By the way, I don't know if y'all saw this on, on, on Twitter today. There's a video out there of Miles Turner. He is a like master Lego builder. 
I had no idea. Like, really impressive <laughs> Lego builder. I know it sounds stupid, but you have to have a lot of patience to build gigantic things with Legos, I think. Uh, and he is, whew, he's on point. Anyways, so uh, we were trying to figure out how to get Miles Turner out of Indiana. Where could he go? I'd come up with a scenario where maybe he ends up uh, for Donovan Mitchell in Utah. Then I saw the uh, asking price for Donovan Mitchell from Utah to the Knicks last night, laughed out loud and said, Danny Ainge uh, needs to have his head examined if he thinks he's going to get all of that for Donovan Mitchell. But either way. So then uh, last night comes word uh, that the Suns matched the offer. Matched it. To keep, to keep uh, DeAndre Aiden in Phoenix, four years, $133 million, which now means if they decide they want to trade DeAndre Aiden, they won't be able to trade him up until about mid-season next year. Uh, and then at that point, they can move him if that's what they want to do. I can't imagine they're trading him if they're making this deal now, uh, but we'll see. You know, maybe maybe they will move him at some point. And if Durant ends up being in Brooklyn at the start of the year um, and that doesn't go the way everybody plans, maybe they end up trading for Kevin Durant, Phoenix does, at the NBA, NBA trade deadline. I think this pretty much solidifies uh, that Durant is definitely not going to Phoenix, so you can kiss that one goodbye. Uh, where this puts Durant now, I don't know. Or Kyrie. It feels like Durant and Kyrie both probably end up back in Brooklyn. I heard you uh, hooting and hollering over there, AR. Did you uh, see the video of Miles Turner and the Legos? I can't hear you. Hold on. Go ahead. What? Well, yeah, a lot of those are looking really, really impressive. The uh, Death Star yeah, stood out to awesome. me. But unfortunately, the final piece, the coup de grace of his is the Titanic with 9,000 plus pieces. And I'm sitting back here going, oh, no. He put one of the smokestacks on backwards. You noticed that? I did. I, I There's four did smokestacks not. on the top of the ship. Yeah. And the second one from the left is like this. And it's supposed to, they're all supposed to be like this. They're tilted Great the wrong way. So tilted the wrong one way. One of them's tilted the wrong way. Tilted the wrong way, right. Ah. I wonder how many people noticed that. Probably all. Me. I, I know you. I'm pretty sure you're not the only one that probably tweeted at him and said, ah, you did it wrong. Uh, but either way, that's still impressive stuff. No, yeah, the other ones are, and the Titanic also, very, very cool. Right. Very, very good. Um, so that that that's one of the things I wanted to touch on. Another thing uh, that I wanted to touch on is with the All-Star break coming up, we are now at the point where I'm going to start getting emails, as well most radio people, from different people wanting to promote their product as far as the uh, spreads, not the spreads, the odds uh, of the home run derby and who possibly could win the home run derby and what the odds are. And over at Bet Online, uh, they've got home run uh, odds up already. Pete Alonzo, uh, five to two. Kyle Schwarber, seven to two. Juan Soto, twenty-one to four. Ronald Acuna Jr., twenty-three to four. Corey Seager, eight to one. Julio Rodriguez, the rookie, eight to one. Jose Ramirez, nine to one. And old man Albert Pujols, fourteen uh, to one. Now again, the home run derby obviously comes up next week. After games wrap up uh, on Sunday, uh, and we head to the All-Star break, and I'm sure we'll get into these odds and who everybody likes and so forth next week. But the one thing that came to my mind when I saw the field for the Home Run Derby the other day, and again, another one of those things that we wanted to do on Big Show and it ended up on the scrap room floor and we never got to it, was the conversation about why is it that in the home run derby, they can attract star players, 
star players. Soto, Acuna, the, probably one of the rookie of the year candidates, Julio Rodriguez, who's been all over social media. Pete Alonso's won this thing how many years in a row now? Back to back, going for three in a row, I think. Mostly everybody knows who Kyle Schwarber and Corey Seager are. And then you watch the NBA dunk contest, and you don't know three quarters of the field. You're like, who is that? Who does he play for? Who is that dude? I'm not watching this. A bunch of nobodies. Why would I want to watch this? That, to me, is something that I find largely disappointing. Like, I don't, I just don't understand. First of all, in this case here for the Home Run Derby, people have stopped doing the Home Run Derby because it screws up their swing, they say. And then they're all screwed up in the second half of the season. So many guys just refuse to do it after they did it once because they blamed that on why they didn't have a good second half. Other guys like Pete Alonzo just like, it makes me feel good. I do great regardless, so let's go do this. And he has a lot of fun competing. I, I don't understand why the top NBA guys can't get down with being in the dunk contest. Is it simply they don't have enough creative juices flowing to come up with something different and that's what they're scared of? They're scared of doing dunks. Somebody's going to be like, well, it wasn't the same thing. Nobody came up with anything new. This is boring. Like, is that it? Is it these dudes want to get paid money in order to go show up? Is it the threat of possible injury? Because, again, the threat of injury in a dunk contest is far greater than a threat of an injury in a home run derby. I mean, I guess you could throw out your back or something when you're swinging the bat. But in a dunk contest, you could really damage a knee, a back, an ankle, a hip, whatever, depending on how you come down uh, on that dunk. So maybe it's the, the health factor that goes into it. I'm not quite sure. Can you put your arms around why the NBA can't seem to draw their type of star-level players like baseball, Ken Adam? When you first posed the question, I first thought, did Vince Carter ruin the NBA dunk contest by having the best NBA dunk contest? Because those dunks were absolutely amazing. And to your point, it's like, can you really live up to that? And then I answered myself with, well, yes, they can. In 2016, we had one of the best one-on-ones in a dunk contest we've ever seen with Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine. Now, are they superstar players, either one of them? No. I did watch that one. I watched it too, and yep. it was electrifying. So I'm the only argument that you could make is either injury or that, you know, like George Harrison said on The Simpsons, it's been done. I'll tell you what I think I want to do. I'm just sitting here listening to you. I, I came up with an idea. Lay it on me. They, they should just make it rookies only. They, they The dunk contest should just be rookies. The, the rookie class every year... They decide the top five dunkers or three or whatever the case may be uh, of the rookies that are playing in the league that year. Those are the guys that get to come in and show out and make a name for themselves, right? Because these old guys like LeBron and these guys, they don't want to do these things anymore. They have no interest. So why not go get these young guys that are trying to make a name for themselves? I mean, think about it. Think about a second-round pick um, that's stuck on a bench somewhere that nobody knows or anything about or whatever, gets into a dunk contest, wins it, and all of a sudden kind of makes a name for himself a little bit and gets a fan base all excited and gets people around the country all excited about him. Because at this, realistically, a lot of these guys you don't know anyhow that have been in the league for a couple of years. At least from this perspective, at least you're giving first-year players a chance to kind of put themselves on the map uh, and, and give you an opportunity to see something maybe that you haven't because they're so young. I guess, but if you do that, then we would have eliminated what we just described as one of the best dunk contests because I think Aaron Gordon was in his second or third year Correct. when he did that But contest. he would have done it the year before. That's true. And where I mean, was Levine at that point? Was he in the same year? Uh, let me check. 
I mean, that, that could have just happened the previous year if you're if if you get to that point. And to what you said, you say the Vince Carter dunk contest. I go back to Michael and Dominique. And there were a lot of people who were like, well, who else is taking off in the free throw line to beat Michael? Who else is going to do what Dominique does? And you fast forward all these years, and you have all these guys coming up with more creative, more crazy, wild dunks, you know, year to year to kind of make it worth your while. I feel like now most people would rather watch the three-point contest than would actually rather watch the dunk contest. And it's a would I wonder at what point do we turn the three point contest into the half court contest and the three quarter court contest? Yeah, it's probably coming. Shooting outside the parking the, lot the, contest. The half court con- the half court thing is coming. Yeah. Uh, no, by the way, yeah, Levine and Gordon did come in the same year, twenty fourteen. Right. So they would have had it the same year. They would have been together two thousand fourteen. Now again, physically they wouldn't have been at the same level. Obviously, a couple of years of weightlifting with NBA pros and so forth. Um, but you very well could have had the same type of. Uh, dunk contest that year with a couple other rookies in that same class. And how interesting is it, Sparky, that we, you and I have ripped on Major League Baseball and others as well for their inability to market stars, blah, 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 blah. How interesting and somewhat ironic that they have maybe one of the best all-star competitions in the home run derby with their ability to get their big names into it, and yet they can't use that blueprint for seemingly anything else in the uh, Major Leagues. Let me ask you a question. Sure. When we talk about baseball highlights versus NBA highlights Mm -hmm. versus NFL highlights, who does the best job? NBA? Yep. It's not close. The NFL does a reasonably decent job. Uh, Baseball, just not as much. There's just not as much juice around it. I feel like the most juice you get around baseball is when Otani does something great. That sends yeah. to get the most momentum on social media. When o- when Otani goes crazy pitching or hitting home runs, that kind of drives it. Uh, but outside of Otani, Aaron Judge, you know, the beginning of the year when he got red hot and hitting home run after home run after home run, that had some push uh, on social media, I think, for the most part. You get past those two, you know, who are the other guys that really – drive social media with what they do in a game. There's just not a lot. And in the NBA, you probably got 10, 12 guys. They do a highlight dunk or do something crazy that's going to get pushed on social media. I'd argue it could even go further back deep into the pool than that. I feel like if Jonathan Davis's catch into the wall, which happened against Tampa Bay, had the equivalent happened in the NBA, it would have been all over Twitter. If the equivalent of would that have ha- catch would right. have happened to a player of his stature in the NBA, doesn't matter, star or not. Right. If something like that had happened, the NBA and their social media people would push that to the moon. If that play would have happened with Jonathan Davis, but as a Yankee, it would have had way more exactly. likes, way more push by Major League Baseball uh, and from the East Coast. No question. Coming up next, Dan Zielinski, the third. I can relate. I'm the fourth. Uh, baseballprospectjournal.com. We'll talk about the amateur draft coming up. I, I have a guy I want in the second round, and I'll tell you all about him, and I'll let him tell you all about him too uh, if he makes it to the Brewers in the second round. And I got a guy I want in the first round. It was a first-round pick last year that didn't sign with the Mets. We'll talk about that straight ahead. Sparky's Midday Madness presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. Sparky's Midday Madness presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. Check out their site today, MilwaukeeAdmirals.com. We'll be back out at State Fair in the Expo Building. Chance to take some shots on goal uh, inside the Expo Building for State Fair. And the Milwaukee Admirals, of course, joining us now on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. He is my guy, Dan Zielinski, the third, BaseballProspectJournal.com. Dan, thanks for coming on, buddy. How you doing? 
Of course, Sparky. Thanks for having me on. It's always good to talk draft with you. I love me some draft, whether it be the NFL, NBA, and I also get into baseball. You do a great job all year long doing different interviews and analyzing different players and so forth. We had Ken Barkley on uh, from You Better You Bet, uh, part of the BetQL network earlier uh, in the show today. Uh, And he said he's hearing uh, from his sources that Jackson Holiday uh, probably will go one uh, to Baltimore in your mock draft, like many others. Drew Jones, uh, Andrew Jones' kid, and we're talking about Jackson Holiday, Matt Holiday's kid. The other bloodline guy is Cam Collier, Luke Collier's kid, uh, all projected to go, you know, in the top five in one way uh, or other. If it were you, Dan Zielinski, and you had the first pick, who are you rolling with? I'm going with Drew Jones. I mean, I think he's really just a complete package overall. High school prep outfielder from Georgia. Obviously, he's the son of former Major League All-Star Andrew Jones, and he's really just like his dad, a five-tool player, can play center field long-term, hits for power, hits for average. Sure, he might need a little bit cleaned up in his swing, but I think from the scouts I talked to, he's the number one guy in this year's draft, and I think he's the closest thing to a can't-miss guy if there's someone like that in this year's draft. So I'm going with Drew Jones. I think Jackson Holiday is a quality player as well. He's definitely in the mix, but I'd have to go with Jones. A lot of people believe the Milwaukee Brewers will take a college outfielder at their selection at 27. You have a very popular name I've seen in other mock drafts as well. Chase DeLauder, outfielder from James Madison. Tell us about him. Yeah, I really like DeLauder. I think he's just a complete package, too. And for what the Brewers like to do with drafting guys up the middle, DeLauder fits that bill. He's 6'4", 235 pounds, left-handed hitting outfielder. I really think he could be a 5 tool player, middle-of-the-order bat in pro ball down the line. He did play, obviously, at a smaller school, which worries some scouts, but he did perform well in the Cape Cod League last summer, which is the top summer collegiate baseball league. What bat? Yep. And, Yep, yep. And uh, he did overall perform well. Limited sample size because he broke his foot in April, but he still hit 437. If there is one knock on his season, he did struggle a little bit against Florida State in that series early on in the year. And Florida State has a couple arms that are going to get drafted either on day one or day two of the draft. So I think he's just all around a really good player, and I think he possesses some floor as well as some really good upside too the Brewers if that's the way they go. Let's talk about a couple other outfielders that very well could be down in that area. Sterling Thompson, the outfielder from Florida, another guy that could be down around 27. Yeah, I like Sterling Thompson as well. Great makeup, and he's a guy that can kind of bounce around the diamond, has experience playing third base, playing the corner outfield spots in high school. He was a shortstop, and he's more of a hit-over-power guy from the left-handed size, but I really like his size at 6'4", 200. I think his power is going to come as he continues to mature physically. I think he's more of a corner outfielder and pro ball, but definitely I like that he has that hit tool and doesn't strike out and swing and miss a lot. I think that's always something to look for when you're looking at these high school or college guys. Another one down there in that area, Jordan Beck from the loud and obnoxious Tennessee volunteer baseball program. <laughs> Jordan Beck's a good player. I prefer his teammate, Drew Gilbert, the outfielder also from Tennessee, but won't, When you're looking at Beck, he really has a lot of great tools that scouts seek. He has the above-average raw power from the right side and drives the ball into the gaps and can play either center field or right field, probably more likely right field and pro ball. The biggest concern with him is 
He is an aggressive hitter, which tends to lead to some strikeouts. He expands his zone, sometimes swings and misses at some breaking pitches he shouldn't. So if any team that drafts back, that's the one concern you have with him, and hopefully you can develop that once he gets into your system. Tom Dan Zielinski, uh, again, check out his website. It's a great website, especially if you're into the amateur draft or you've got kids, you know, that are, are playing in college or high school and you kind of want to see where they're all uh, kind of looked at. Baseballprospectjournal.com, baseballprospectjournal.com. Uh, now, this is fine and dandy, all these different college outfielders that very well uh, may be there. And if that's the way they decide to go, I guess fine. But the one thing, one area where they are kind of good in the in the system is outfield. Um, and if you're going college, that means you want the player to get through uh, probably as quick as possible, which I completely understand and I completely get. However, there is a pitcher uh, that was a first-round pick out of college last year uh, that was supposed to sign with the New York Mets, but him and Scott Boris couldn't figure things out and ended up not signing and sitting out this year, then going and trying to play some independent ball. Uh, and that's Kumar Rocker. Uh, who is you know slated to go anywhere from the first to the second round, depending on who you talk to. Uh, and a lot of what I've read about Kumar Rocker is maybe there is some belief uh, that if you get him in and get him going soon enough, maybe he ends up baby being in somebody's bullpen down the stretch here uh, for a competing team at the end of the first round. Uh, what do you think of Kumar Rocker and what his future looks like? Kumar Rocker is probably the most famous name in this draft and for sure. even last year as well. And you have to love the upside and overall potential rocker brings. I mean, just looking at him physically, 6'5", 245 pounds, right-handed pitcher, devastating fastball slider combination with his fastball in the high 90s. There's a lot to like with him as an overall player. And I'm one of those people who agree. I think he could be pitching out of a major league bullpen later this year. And I think any team that drafts him would be smart if they're in playoff contention to do that. I think long-term, personally, I would try him in the starting rotation. I think he still has that number two, potentially number one upside, but his injury concerns are always going to kind of be with him until he proves otherwise. It's just a matter of, do you believe he can get through a full major league season as a starting pitcher in September? He underwent shoulder surgery, had a minor scope on his right arm. Scouts don't believe it's, anything too serious but it is something to consider and it sounds like rocker could find his way into the teens otherwise the first round it's gonna be interesting he's the biggest wild card really in this year's draft you have teams like the los angeles angels who could have interest in him philadelphia phillies as well in the teens. no 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 dan dan there's only one there's only one team the atlanta braves select rocker that's it that's all you need to say yeah right the braves select another rocker to make up for john rocker years ago it's going to be interesting to see what the Braves do because they just acquired that competitive balance game pick to give themselves more signing bonus dollars. So they hold picks number 20 and 35 in the draft. And I think they're going to make a play after one of these pitchers who has some injury history and going to fall a little bit down the board. So overall, I like Rocker and his potential. You just have to kind of weigh what the risk is compared to the reward. Okay, I've got a guy I want in the second round. Okay. We talked about Rocker in the first round. That's what I'd like to see them do in the first round. I know it's probably not going to happen, but that would have been my pick. In the second round, 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I want need. I want need. And there is a stud, it appears, in the second round. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe he'll fa- you know, fail out. But when you start telling me that there's a first baseman that hit 32 home runs and hit 387 with a 507 on base, and he ain't going in the first round apparently, but he'll be there probably in the second round. I want Ivan Melendez. I, I that that's who I want, the first baseman from Texas. Give me him in the second round if he's there. They call him the Hispanic Titanic. That's a new one. Never heard of that one before. So we'll bring the Hispanic Titanic to the Milwaukee Brewers in the second round. That's who I want. I think he's definitely going to be in that range for the Brewers if they do want him. It's just, it's always interesting to see team philosophies. And for the Brewers, they've always preferred the last two, three, four years, those up the diamond right. type players. And that's Guys why they have nobody at first and they have nobody at third base at the major <laughs> league level for that exact reason. We never would have drafted Fielder and we never would have drafted Braun had they been running the show. I don't disagree with you. And I think there's definitely. Yeah, Melendez can obviously hit, hits for above average to elite power from the right side. You're just putting all your eggs in that, in his offensive ability, which I don't disagree with taking a chance on. I think he's a quality hitter and someone who's going to move through the farm system quickly. It's just a matter of how much do you value uh, offensive first, offensive really only first baseman, especially in the second round. Have, have we seen Rowdy Tellez and Dan Vogelbach and others? I mean, we've we, Prince Fielder, we've lived through this in, in Milwaukee forever, right? You get a power-hitting first baseman in a bandbox, American field, and let him go hit 40 bombs every year. Like, to me, it makes all the sense in the world. And to your point, you will never find a first or a third baseman if we continue to draft shortstop, second baseman, and outfielders at this point. I mean, you can always trade those guys, but I don't disagree with you. It's it's interesting for the major league draft. Very few times do teams really draft or need. Right. We have seen a team like the Angels draft all pitchers. I believe it was last year when they used all 20 selections on pitchers. But most of the time, teams just take the best player available 
Obviously, signability factors into that, but Melendez is going to be good. He's going to go in the second or third round, and someone's going to get a really good offensive hitting first baseman. Talking with Dan Zielinski the third again. Check out uh, his website, and it is a phenomenal website uh, at that. Uh, when, when you can, uh, let me ask you this: Give me a baseball player that you're high on that maybe a lot of people aren't talking about in the same way you're talking about him. Yeah, I mean, I think one guy that stands out to me is right down the street at UW Milwaukee, and that's AJ Bluebaugh. He's a six foot two, one hundred eighty pound right handed pitcher who split time between the starting rotation and bullpen this year for, Mil- for Milwaukee. But overall, really big arm for the Panthers. Hits mid-90s, has a couple quality breaking pitches, and still is pretty raw on the mound. I think he's a guy who could – he's going to find his way into the top 10 rounds. But I think someone is going to get a quality arm who they can develop and probably make him a late-inning reliever down the line. Check it out, baseballprospectjournal.com. Follow him on Twitter, Dan, at Danzelinski3. That's the number three, at Danzelinski3. And, of course, the website has its own Twitter account as well. Follow that at the BP Journal, at the BP Journal. That's baseballprospectjournal.com. Dan, thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. It was fun. Talk soon. All good. Take care. There he is, Dan Zielinski, the third in Great Midwest Bank. Hotline of applying for home renovation loan. Has you feeling anxious? Breathe. Let Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of tranquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com today. I hadn't thought about it till he said it. They this this front office, who I love dearly. I love Matt Arnold. I love David Stearns. I like everybody over there. But this front office never would have touched Prince Fielder with a 10-foot pole had they been in the same situation as Jack Sorensic when he made that pick. There's no way. And Braun was technically, I guess, playing shortstop, but was considered a third baseman coming out. And I don't know if they would have drafted him. They may have drafted him because of how athletic he was and could have said, well, okay, you know, maybe he's maybe he doesn't play shortstop, but maybe he's an outfielder. Maybe they see that and that's why they draft Braun. So maybe they get Braun. There's no way they would have drafted Prince Fielder. And Fielder was an absolute monster for the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, I'm not saying this kid here uh, that I'm talking about, this kid out of of Texas, is going to be Prince Fielder. But he's got big numbers. This Ivan Melendez kid, man. 32 homers. He walked 52 times and struck out 51. More walks and strikeouts. What more do you need? 94 RBIs? 387, 507 on base, 863 slugging. Good Lord, man. Like, how is he not a – again, this just speaks to baseball that he's not a first-round pick. Like, I don't don't understand how he's not a first-round pick. But this team desperately needs a first baseman that can be up here for a while to replace Rowdy Tellez or whoever else they want to throw over there. Uh, at first base. It just makes so much sense to go draft that guy. Uh, Okay, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, AR Adam Roberts. Uh, Coming up at 3 o'clock still, uh, we will have Toby Altiz, the fan afternoon show from 3 to 6 here on a Friday. I saw some news uh, come across uh, Twitter during the big show. I got very excited, very excited. Started texting people, talking to Leroy about it. I'm not sure if I think Adam and I talked about it mm-hmm. as well. Uh, I know I it, again, it's it's not sports related. It's not sports related. I'm just telling you right now, it's not sports related. But I'm pretty excited. I think and, I am too. And, and I know I am. And we'll talk about that coming up next. Sparky's midday madness presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals.
Sparky's Midday Madness presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals on 1250 AM. The Fan coming to you live from the Lakeland University Studios, offering evening and online master's programs. Learn more at lakeland.edu slash get started. Hey, don't forget, Hey Maine, new podcast now on your Odyssey app, your free Odyssey app. Download it today. Of course, longtime ESPN host Kenny Maine brings his curiosity and wit to 2400 sports. A new flagship conversation podcast. Athletes, musicians, writers, and celebrities who he's had run-ins with, been inspired by, and generally thought, I wish I knew more about that person. Well, this week's new episode features Christopher Guest from the show Spinal Tap, Best in Show, A Mighty Win. Previous guests include Chris Berman and Ben Schwartz. Download Hey Main on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast today. Toby Altizer walked in during the break. He's like, man... I don't get how you are so wrapped up in in this draft with amateur baseball. And we started having a conversation. And what I realized, having the conversation, what I said was, you know, back when it was, you know, a big deal was when this team was horrible, right? And you draft Prince Fielder. And I would say from the Prince Fielder draft forward is when I really started following the draft. You get Prince Fielder, Corey Hart, J.J. Hardy, and you start watching these guys come up. And then as they're coming up, they're winning each level, winning championships at A-ball, double-A. Every level, they were just winning championships. They couldn't be stopped, these core group of players. Then you draft Ryan Braun and as a college player, knowing that he would eventually catch those high school players that were a couple of years in front of him because he was going to advance quicker than the high school kids did. Um, and then be able to see them come to the big league level. Did they finish? No, they never won a World Series. Never even got to World Series. But that's kind of when I, I got invested. And back then, high school was the way to go. Now, they had horrible luck with high school pitchers and college pitchers, I guess, for that matter. Um, so th- that didn't work out so well. But the hitters, Jack Sorensen could draft a hitter now. There ain't no question about that. And now with this Brewers team here, with the way it sits, and knowing that, look, you've only got Woodruff uh, and Burns and these guys, you know, for another two or three years, that you got to go, which should point to, I hope, the fact that you're going and looking for college hitters, right? You're looking for college bats that can maybe get here uh, within, you know, maybe not next year, but the year after that, maybe they're there and in the lineup and here to help that baseball team. Spend a year in the minors, and maybe if they're doing really well, you can get them up here as quick as possible. Or maybe it's a year and a half. Maybe they come up in the second half of that year and help you in a playoff run. That's kind of my thinking as far as how I look at the draft now for the Brewers. Drafting high school kids now is, I mean, it may pan out in five, six years, but it's absolutely pointless for the small window that you have right now. And you don't know the next time you're going to have a window like the Brewers have right now. And that's why the draft is such a big deal to me because these should be impact players within a couple of years for the Brewers, providing they draft college players, whether it's a pitcher or a hitter, guys that can come in and help these guys. It's so interesting, being a fan myself of the Brewers and the Maple Leafs, how different drafts go for both of these organizations. For all the reasons you mentioned with the Brewers about how back when it was 20-plus years of losing baseball, there was always maybe a little hope. With the Leafs, because they are such a giant market in the NHL, it's kind of, in a way, kind of like a New York situation where you're always expected to be in it. 
So the draft maybe doesn't mean as much because it's just you figure you're always going to be in the conversation. The last draft that really meant anything was when they got Austin Matthews. And we knew we had the first overall pick in 2016. We knew we were going to get him. The hype was real. And that's the last time that a first pick in a draft has really meant something for my team. And it helps that he scored four goals in his debut, which kind of gave that satisfaction of, yep, it was worth all the hype and the weight because he is all that he was cracked up to be. Hey, I just saw a tweet here, not tweeted at us, but he's a listener and we follow him on Twitter. Uh, David Brown, uh, we were talking about the dunk contest earlier and kind of the struggles that they've had and so forth. Uh, Tweets, NBA dunk contest suggestion. Players perform past prize-winning dunks, such as Grand Hill, Vince Carter, MJ. The player pushes a quick scroll button and lands on MJ. Now the player can accept the challenge or craft a new, but now it will grade less against the original challenge. I'm good with that. Like, if you want to give me a wheel of some sort uh, or multiple wheels in, like, a, uh, a machine of some sort where you go up and you spin the wheels, right, you spin, say, three wheels. Those are your three dunks. You have time to look at your phone to know what the dunk is or whatever, and then you have to go, uh, you know, do what the, what the dunk was that year, and you go. And you do not give these guys any warning or heads up as far as what the dunks are. You know what dunks won each year of the dunk contest. It's going to be one of those dunks from one of those dunk contests done by that player uh, that will possibly be on the wheel. So some years, Dominique Wilkins is on the wheel. Other years, Michael Jordan is on the wheel. And you literally could do, you know, a 80s wheel, a 90s wheel, a 2000s reel, a 2010s reel, whatever. And those are the dunks that the players have to perform depending on which ones they they spin. And I, then you have a, a contest, the judges, one is from the 80s, one is from the 90s, 2000s, 2010s. I like the idea. I love it. Brilliant. There's one thing that needs to be good, though, for this to work, and that's the broadcast. It cannot be a clunky situation, because if you're saying you're not going to give these guys any prep time, you just you spin the wheel, you get your dunk, you maybe get to scroll and quick check, yeah, you get and then to you got to go. So what you do essentially is you put it up on the Jumbotron. This is the dunk that he has to do, and the TV shows the dunk off the Jumbotron. Everybody in the arena gets to see what it is because everybody may not know the dunk contest from 1988 or whatever the year is. And this is the dunk that whoever has to do tonight. Let's show everyone. Boom. He watches it, sees it. All right. Gets the ball and then tries to, uh, tries to duplicate it when he goes out there to do the dunk. I love it. And I love the aspect of you're teaching players about the history of the game and different players. And you're, you're teaching them that too. And it's not just guys that have done something in the last five or 10 years that you're trying to duplicate. So I think it's a great idea by David Brown. Now we just got to get it to the NBA and, and Silver and and try and figure this all out. But I, I think that's that's a wonderful idea. The other thing that I think is a wonderful idea was the news I was talking about before the break um, that uh, there's a story up at onmilwaukee.com about it, uh, and that is Kohl's. Now, look, everybody likes Kohl's stores, I think. Maybe they were, my, uh, Maybe they were all of my clothes in middle school. We almost exclusively shopped there. I still exclusively shop at Kohl's for the most part. Um, Kohl's and Target, those are the two places I go pretty much all the time. Uh, but uh, Kohl's apparently uh, is made an announcement that they're going to have a new store location. Okay, well, Sparky, I mean, come on. What are you getting all worked up about? I mean, there's a million coals all over the place. You're getting all worked up. Is there one coming in Oak Creek? No, there's already one in Oak Creek. So that's that's not what it is. There's one on right down on Highway 100 from the radio station here in Hales Corner. So it's nothing to do with that. They 
announced that they are putting a Kohl's downtown Milwaukee in the former Boston store, which has been sitting vacant forever. It'll be a 40,000 square foot store, so it's one of their smaller blueprints. Plus, it features an entrance leading into the Third Street Market Hall, which is a, a great uh, piece of real estate right now, the old Grand Avenue Mall. Um, according to Kohl's GM, Michelle... Is that gas? Gas? I don't know. We've been part of the community for more than 60 years, but we've never had a downtown presence. Now is the time. I love it. And I, I'll, I'm, I'm just going to say this. Um, I would love to see more of that. Like a Kohl's downtown, a Target downtown. Target downtown targets are awesome. They go in Chicago. Um, where else have they, they have them that we've been? We travel so much I lose track. But there's these downtown targets, I, I love them. Um, and I think that would make sense. A Coles downtown, I think makes a ton of sense, uh, as well. Um, yeah, I, I just, I think it's a great idea. And, and the fact that you're putting it in that old historic building, obviously you're going to change the inside, but the outside based on the pictures look like it's going to stay relatively the same with some Coles signage on it. Um, and, and then having that connection to the third street market hall. I love this idea air. Big and, fan. and what I noticed, too, in her uh, press release, she says that because it's going to be a small format store, because we all know Kohl's as like a big brick and mortar that you go out to and there's a giant parking lot. I'll give you an idea of what it is. This 84 South Kohl's over here, sure. that, that's the layout. That's what it's going to be. That's the smaller version of these bigger Kohl's stores that you have all over the place that were built earlier. And what she mentions is it will give greater real estate flexibility. Now, what I'm wondering is, because we see this a lot of times with uh, developments when buildings are made with the idea of multi-purposeness, I guess is what I would call it, where you have a storefront on the first or second floor or whatever, and then on higher floors, you have offices, you have apartment buildings, you might have even smaller micro businesses or satellite businesses of bigger businesses in that same complex. I'm wondering how much of the store will be taken up by Kohl's and how much of the building will maybe be converted into other uses. Well, it already is. They've already got apartments in that building and offices. Right. Above uh, it. The first floor is the only thing that's being touched by Kohl's. Okay. Everything above that is already being used. So it's similar to the market hall and how the first air floor of the market hall at the moment is all their little vendors and their stores and their Correct. gaming areas. And then if you go up to the Grand Avenue steps. That's offices and so forth. And they're continuing to build that up. Correct, right. That's that's exactly correct, right. So they're, they're essentially only going to have the first floor. But again, I mean, think about this from a second. So and it, it's in this On Milwaukee article. The new Coles location marks the latest high-profile development on the west uh, side of downtown Milwaukee. Third Street Market Hall, right? That's open. You have the new Bradley Symphony Center uh, in the empty Warner Grand Theater. Plans for a streetcar plaza and a lot of cross from the upcoming Coles. And the $420 million convention center expansion that's going to bring a ton of people downtown that can go shopping at Kohl's. And you have the new soccer and live music venue set near Marquette. So all of that's going to be down there. Dude, they're... The joint's all, jumping. All of these people coming from out of town that need a pair of shorts and need uh, need this or need that, now they're going to have somewhere to go when they're in all those hotels all over downtown uh, Milwaukee. And of, brilliant. And, of course, all the people who live downtown Milwaukee That's will now it, have another chain. Yes, absolutely. Because that I have, I know people who live downtown. Bonamego yep. is someone who lives in downtown Milwaukee. And yep. people have said that while it is nice and there's a lot of great things around, sometimes you do wish that you didn't have only you know, those sort of niche stores to go and buy T-shirts and nice brand clothing. The convenience clothing. factor is not there if you live downtown. 
Correct. As far as finding some of these stores that everybody else in the suburbs can get to within, you know, seven to 10 minutes, you got to get out of downtown, go on the interstate and then drive to wherever it is that you're driving uh, more times than not. All right, take a quick time. I'll come back. We'll talk with Toby Altizer. The Fan Afternoon Show uh, comes up next and we'll talk with him here on Sparky's Midday Madness presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. Sparky's Midday Madness presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals, live from the Lakeland University Studios, offering evening and online master's programs. Learn more at lakeland.edu slash get started. Steve Sparky, fine for Toby Altizer. I, I, uh, I brought this up the, uh, in the hallway earlier today, not on the air. You were on Bart's show this morning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you and Paul Emig. And um, Bonamago Jr., Tim Shea, Bought Bart Winkler Wendy's. He did, yes. Not because he lost a bet or he did something wrong and he felt bad and he was trying to make up for it just because, yeah, here you go, Bart's on me. It's Friday, whatever. I've done the same for you. Right. Yeah. You guys don't make any money to be buying producers, buying host money. It's called paying it forward, yeah. man. Well, yeah, I guess, but I mean, still. So anytime that happens, you should be more than grateful and happy that oh, something yeah, like that, like, because you don't expect it. Like, okay. I'm listening to that show. <laughs> Dude, he bullied that kid. Now, he's not a kid. He's almost as old as me. But he bullied that dude for two straight hours, man. <laughs> he killed him. I don't and know why it the is. The show got done, and he walked out in the hallway, and I was walking past him. I was like, hey, man. I said, so what's your deal? I said, Rami leaves, and now you got to be the station bully now that Rami's gone? <laughs> for real, he is not nice to Tim Shane. And, and you could tell he felt bad. He's like, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah you're right. I was like, dude, man, horrible. Just one after another. Brutal. Hey, Tim takes it like a champ. He man. does. He does. The and politeness I, is built into Canadians. Now, don't get me wrong. I make fun of Tim Shea, too. And, and you know, I have fun with Tim, too. But Bart just did not let up. Like a zinger here or there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He was oof, piling. Yeah, he doesn't do it to me. So that's he the crazy thing. He was piling on, man. All right. So what do you got coming up today at 3? Yeah, going to talk about the Brewers. Are we blaming Craig Council for David Stearns and Mark Adonazio's failures? Because we've seen plenty of council hate and different things. So we'll talk about that because Sam mentioned that yesterday, and I think it's an interesting thing. Are we maybe getting frustrated stop, with stop, Council? Stop, 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 stop. Say the question again. Are we blaming Craig Council for David Stearns and Mark Adonazio's failures? Because I think some David people— David Stearns' failures? Yeah. And Antonasio's failures. What is that? What like what? I'm just saying sometimes we blame Craig Council for his lineup and say, How in the world is this what you put out there? Right. When he doesn't have any other players to put out there. Have you seen Willie Adamas's on base percentage? I know. It's I know. like two seventy or two eighty seven. It's horrible. It's terrible. He should not be in the two hole. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. Like if we're gonna talk through it because we're gonna look at the different responsibilities and see if maybe we're putting stuff on Craig Council that maybe isn't a Craig Council issue because I think some people do that. And the other part about this is, now I, I, I don't know if this is happening, but I know it has happened and does happen. Sometimes these general managers get involved in lineup decisions too. Sometimes mm -hmm. these general managers get involved in playing time decisions as well. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not saying that's happening with David Stearns and Craig Council. I don't know. But sometimes it's out of the manager's hands, kind of what they are able to do and what they're not able sure. to do. Well, and that's what we'll discuss. We'll talk about, you know, hitting coaches and the different hitting responsibilities coaches. because, you know, we, we want to talk about the different things of what's wrong with this Brewers team. And a lot of people are going to blame Craig Council 
But is changing the manager going to do it? Or oh, nobody's. Different... Oh, no, no, no. Stop. You haven't stop, heard. Stop, you haven't stop. heard people saying fire no, Craig Council. I ignore them, and you move on in your day. You don't pay, pay still, them any homage. There are still plenty of people no, that are frustrated with Craig Council. So that's no, what we're going to talk no, about. I want to get Council. into that. Dominic Catronio from Locked On Brewers and Valley Sports Wisconsin. He'll join the show coming up at four. Then I want to talk a little more Brewers. Pretty much Brewers packed today. And then we'll Fine. talk a little NBA as well. Saving some Packers stuff for next week when we got All-Star break. And who knows what else to talk training about. Training camp is coming. Yeah, yeah, training camp's coming soon. A couple weeks. Uh, who were the Brewers' unsung heroes in the first half? You have anyone that comes to mind? Because that's the thing. Is You base it on numbers? It's McCutcheon. Yeah. Dude, McCutcheon hit 292 in May. It's hitting like 315 or 320 in June. Yeah, I mean, he I'm had a bring bad him month. Up. He had a bad month of May. Dude's been hitting it. Yeah, June since. and July, Andrew McCutcheon has been unreal, and we'll get into some of those numbers. So I want to look and see if you know how people have some guys that they think aren't getting the recognition they deserve. I got a list of names. We'll go through Roddy Tellez. Mm-hmm. He hit a wall or something. Yeah, something's wrong with him right now. But I think just He's giving him a break, up, man. giving him a break at the All Star break is going to be good for him. I mean, Willie Adamas, not good. Roddy Tellez, not good. Colton Wong. I've never seen somebody go from being a great defender to being average to horrible. Right? He's like the second worst defender in baseball right now. So that's not good. That, that's that been a complete train wreck. Uh, third base, Urias is not who he was last year. Mm-mm. Narvaez has been steady. They don't play him, but he's been pretty steady at and catcher Caratini's been at this good. point. Caratini's been way better than expected, mm-hmm. no question. Um, and the outfield, not much to say there. I mean, Yelich in the leadoff spot has been better than Yelich in any other spot in the lineup. And that goes back to lineup issues, right? So he moved Yelich there. Did people pat him on the back for that move? Council? Good job, Craig. Good job. Way to, way to go moving him to, to the leadoff spot. Did. Here's my question Or did for we you. give all the credit to Bart? Because Bart was the one that said <laughs> to move him to the leadoff spot. And then like two days later, he finally did it. Here's my Maybe question he was listening for you, Sparky. To Bart. When you think about Craig Council and how he manages, do you think he's a little late to some decisions? Moving Yelich? Why do you Adamus think that is? is still penciled in the sure. two hole. Why do you think? I, I'm just thinking if you brought over another manager and they came into the clubhouse and they were making these lineups every day, mm-hmm. Willie Adamas, like you said, isn't probably still penciled into the two hole. Nope. And yet here we are still him just penciled mm-hmm. in every day. Yelich, it took how long for him to get moved out of the three hole? Why do you think that is, though? I think that's partially that's what the roster he's given. No, 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 no. And no. then partially nope. it's hard headedness. Mm, I wouldn't say hard headedness either. I think the best trait about Craig Council and the reason why these dudes all love playing for Craig Council and guys that come into this clubhouse love playing for Craig Council and why chemistry is usually pretty good every year with this Brewers team and everybody's having fun whatever else because he is loyal to a fault. I'll he's agree on that. extremely mm-hmm. loyal to his guys and he's going to give you every opportunity to continue to play it out and get yourself straightened but only out certain guys. before. I don't think so. Well, here's the thing, because listening to the post-game show the other day in the afternoon when Tim came in after the afternoon game right. against the, the Twins, Sam and Tim were talking about it. We talked about it a little yesterday. About Hira? Yeah, a little bit about Keston, but talking about other guys, too. How can you be enticing? He's gotten away from it this year, so that's to his okay. credit. But platoon every single position, it seemed like. Yeah. He wants to platoon. If he could, he'd platoon every single position around the Why diamond. Why do you think that is? He wants to play the numbers, and that's fine. And but he, how wants frustrating, his, he wants to keep his bench fresh. How frustrating is it if you're a player and you don't know 
mm-hmm. if you're going to get consistent playing time. Christian Yelich yeah. knows he's going to get playing time. Willie Adamas, it took Rowdy Telez a month and a half, two months, to finally gain the trust of him to finally hit against lefties. And yes, he's hit a little bit of a wall, but he's still, like you said, loyal to his mm-hmm. guys, so at least he's, he's earned the stick trust. With him. But if he, you're telling me if he didn't have other guys, he wouldn't be trying to platoon Luis Arias? He wouldn't be trying to platoon some of these guys sure. in center field. And, and at but some tell point, me something. Who is so damn good that they shouldn't be platooned? No, I agree on that same point. Prince I'm Fielder saying, was so damn how good. How could you bring someone in to fill any of these positions if you're the Brewers? Who well, wants simple. to come here? This is To me, this is easy. If I'm Greg Council, you don't want to be platooned? Play your ass off and show me that you don't deserve to be platooned. But if y'all aren't going aren't gonna to play well, I'm going to play numbers and I'm going to play who's hot. That's simple. When they had Braun, he played every day because he deserved to play every day. Mm-hmm. Fielder deserved to play every day. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. 